What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Social Standard Podcast. Today we have James Creech, who is a super interesting guest, uh, making some big headways on LinkedIn and in the influencer space. So, um, James, what's up and welcome. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. Yeah. So, James is currently the SVP of strategy for mm -hmm. Brandwatch, right? You're also an advisor um, on VidCon. You are a three-time entrepreneur and you're very involved in the creator space. Uh, and you just recently launched a LinkedIn mastery course to help people figure out how to show up on LinkedIn and build their personal brand, correct? Yep. You're yeah. the perfect hype woman. Can hey, I keep you right. around for VidCon? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> right? I'll, I'll, be your, I'll be your MC or inter I introducer, right? Thank I'll you. follow you around. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's it's nice to have you here. Oh, and uh, Jake, sorry, <laughs> Jake, yes. our head of yes. accounts, is also I, here. Yes, hey, hey, VP of the social standard. That's all you need to know about. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be he'll be a, a pleasant addition to the conversation. Yeah. So um, today, I really wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in on LinkedIn and mm -hmm. run it honestly across the internet yeah. uh, with personal branding. So we, as you know, launched a B two B influencer division. Um, earlier this year, and there's been a lot going on in that. We've, this is part of our overarching series in terms of you know how we're looking at the B2B influencer space through mm -hmm. the lens and expertise of B2C creators and B2C experts in the creator space. Yeah. So that is you. Um, so with that, I will say, I'll pose this first question is like, what what do you see? Let's start kind of in the, in the smaller scale here. What do you see with personal branding going on like mm. right now on LinkedIn? Yeah. Well, first of all, I love that you're focused on it because mm -hmm. B2B creators don't get enough attention right. and we're trying to you know, spread the word and sure. encourage people to get more involved. But I think there are a few trends that are informing what's going on. The okay. first is the future of work is changing, right? My sure. grandpa worked at IBM for his entire career and retired and had a nice you know, um, uh, life with one company. My dad worked in, I don't know, three, four jobs over the course of his lifetime. Sure. But my generation and beyond, we are going to have many, many jobs, many That's different right. careers and iterations That's of that. Right. And um, if you look at the data for the U.S. economy, we are going to be a majority freelance workforce by 2027. Absolutely. It's, right? kind of, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So like within the next five years, people, the whole idea of the gig economy or getting together small bands and teams and crews for different project-based work is here to stay. Yep. And so the importance of having a personal brand is more important than ever. Um, add to that the fact that we have embraced this trend towards populism and everything yep. from politics, right? The rise of That's AOC right. and Trump and Bernie Sanders yep. um, through to uh, companies and institutions, right? People mm -hmm. have kind of lost their faith in everything Absolutely. from traditional news media to companies. You don't think about um, the New York Times anymore or even a company. You don't think about Amazon. It's Jeff Bezos or right. SpaceX. It's Elon Musk, right? Yep. So the the individual is That's front the and center. ultimate American thing, right? Yeah, to be totally. as individualistic as you possibly can. Exactly. Yeah. So now that we've evolved towards that, you know, individualistic, populist way, um, the importance of your personal brand is more important than ever, right? Social media has democratized access to that. Exactly. Whether it's LinkedIn, Twitter, newsletter, podcasts, you now have space for these B2B creators to emerge and connect. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow, well said. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I've been thinking about this for a while. I did a, a yeah. talk on this at um, Youth Marketing Show in London a few weeks ago, okay. where this is the theme of our conversation at VidCon sure. later this week. So it's very top of mind, and, and I think those are some of the trends that are influencing Absolutely. You know, what's How is that received by a non-American audience, considering the, ar the archetypes that you invoke are so uniquely American? Yeah, it's interesting, right? Um, it's uh, I think it's a theme that's resonating elsewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Because you've seen the growing popularity of LinkedIn, right? I mean, not yeah. just reflected in the monthly active users, their membership now is over 900 million people worldwide. Yep. Um, LinkedIn as a platform, I, they're not shy about this, has moved towards becoming a daily content destination, yes. not just a resume drop, hey, no. show up here yes. next exactly. time you need a job, right? Yes. They want it to be a place for connection and conversation. And LinkedIn is unique in the fact that like we show up as our professional selves, mm -hmm. right? So there is, you know, it's not anonymous like Reddit. It's right. not, um, you know, try to avoid it being Facebook. Here's yeah. all my personal moments. Some of that creeps in. Yeah. But it's a place for real conversation about kind yeah. of meaningful things that are going on in the world and in your industry. Sure. And I think that's super valuable. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. And I think also, even Jake, to your point, it's like social media. Well, two things. I would say social media across the board has made it more individualistic. Yeah. Even globally. I think that's got to be a trend. Yep. And then, you know, you also have with all of the COVID and the, like, the, the more accelerated push into mm -hmm. digitization leaders, brand leaders, CEOs, you know, anyone who's in the C-suite and like honestly even even below, 
they, they know that they have to show up to be relevant. You have to show up somewhere online yes. to participate in the conversation. Yep. Um, and all of that sort of gives way to the rise of this personal brand and then honestly the rise of the B2B creator, yep. right? Because it's like all of these things ladder up to say, I actually want to hear from these people, mm-hmm. right? You're not just posting sort of into the druthers of the internet. It's actually yeah. something that people are engaging in. And I know you yourself have built over like over 20,000 followers, right? On LinkedIn, which is, you know, if you're thinking about that in comparison to like a B2C creator, yeah. is it, does that sound like a big number? <laughs> Depends no. on who you ask, right? No, it doesn't. But um, the reality is, is it yeah. is, it is big on LinkedIn sure. and it is because LinkedIn is about niches, yep. right? And we are also, that's another trend that we're seeing is like the continuation of these niches from the internet. Uh-huh. And so when you own your niche, just like a more what we call like traditionally a micro creator on the BBC yeah. space, those are the ones that have been able to really monetize their following in, in interesting ways. Yeah. Right. I want to underscore a couple of things you said. Sure. First is that modern leaders have to be creators, right? Yes. Like this is not the future. No. This is the present. That's right. Um, if you are in a leadership role in an organization, yeah. uh, people expect you to have an opinion, right? Sure. To, to share that online and participate in the conversation. So uh, I encourage people like this is how you yeah. show up nowadays. That's number one. Um, and then, yes, the relative importance or, you know, audience metrics are different for each platform, right? Mm-hmm. So Instagram is different from TikTok, it's different than LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. et cetera. But, um, right, like, it, you don't want to get caught up in the vanity metrics of it all. No. Like having a lot of followers is, is great, right? It's yeah. helpful to have an audience. But more than anything, it's about creating community, right? And That's conversation right. and connection. Exactly. LinkedIn is an amazing place for that, right? Like, so I started my journey encouraged by many others in the space, sure. Brendan Gahan, Phil yep. Ranta, like others who had been active on the platform for years. And I, I tell people like through my LinkedIn mastery course, I made all the excuses that everybody makes. I'm oh, too absolutely. busy. I don't know yep. what to say. Who wants to listen to me anyway? Yep. But um, for some reason, COVID uh, said, I'm going to make time for this, right? Like yep. I, I'm going to dedicate to writing every weekday for a year, um, which was grueling, but also That's like what Phil said he incredibly did as well. yeah. enlightening. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. It, it is a good way. You know, everyone is different, but knowing my own psychology, part of the reason sure. I did it is if I did it every day, I'd build a habit. Yeah, if exactly. I told myself, oh, I'll do yeah. it once or twice a week, Monday turns yeah. into Tuesday, it turns into Friday and exactly. you know, the week exactly. is gone. So part of it was just getting that practice in the mm-hmm. repetition, but also figuring out what works, what finding my voice as a writer, totally. finding who my audience is and what they care about. And, um, I mean, the results blew me away, yeah. you know, more than anything, it's about like catching up with old connections and friends and like totally. generating new opportunities for angel investments or advisory opportunities or speaking engagements. Yeah. And, um, and also just like learning a lot in the process, right? Like mm-hmm. becoming more informed, um, learning about our space, writing about it and defending those yeah. opinions in public, I think makes you a more well-rounded capable leader. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're doing all yeah. the things that used to be done in real life, mm-hmm. right? But you're just now doing it and it's documented. Yeah, <laughs> of right. course, the process is documented, but you're doing it in a digital in a digital space. Yeah. And as we all begin to live even more of our lives online, right. that becomes important. And it's nice exactly. to, you know, like have this corpus of information. One of the things I tell people where they say, well, what do I write about on LinkedIn? Yeah. Is I say, well, what do you tell people all the time? Exactly. Jess, like, what do you tell your clients in every pitch meeting exactly. or what, um, what do you tell your team and your standups, right? Yep. Like that's great fodder for conversation. And now you have a place where you can reference it. Like here's yes. that post I did about X, Y, Z. You can go read it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's true. And I think even like for us, you know, at the social standard, we have our monthly or excuse me, our Monday meetings. Yeah. And those are always informed by my Friday research, which is where I put together our social brew or our business brew newsletters. Yeah. So it just, it does sort of, I think that's actually one of the things I love about a newsletter is, is every week I literally sit down and like, oh, I don't want to do it this week. <laughs> There's just so much to do, you know, but then yeah. you sit down and you do it and it just, it continues to build that habit. Yeah. It gets you going and gets you thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd be, I think people, I don't think that people write as much as they used to. Yeah. You know, if you read back like, um, or if you listen to like older individuals, you, you realize that a lot of them kept journals. Yeah. Like daily journals where you were exercising this price and how like, how cathartic that is to just sort of process everything. Because, you know, you think about the short form <laughs> video craze, yeah. algorithms, all this stuff, and we're just consume, consume, consume mm-hmm. online. And you, no one really has a moment to to sit down and like process all the information that is coming at you at a million miles an hour. And I think it's a wonderful way to do that through a newsletter, through an email, through a team meeting preparation, um, through LinkedIn posts, through tweets, whatever it is, it's a really lovely way to kind of take what you already know, 
and put it to good use for yourself. Yes. yes. I mean, we live in an era of Slack messages and voice memos yes. and, oh you know, TikToks, and it's hard to keep up. I think that's obviously, you know, condensed the attention span for a lot of folks, but writing is hopefully not a lost art. Right? It's so no. valuable yeah. for, um, you know, kind of crystallizing your thought process, sharing that with other people, allowing them the chance to critique yeah. it. And um, newsletters are phenomenal, right? So yeah. I love the fact that you have the two newsletters yep. because just for you as an individual, like taking the time to research and share exactly. and publish that is so useful, but also like open rates on email are still amazing, right? Yeah. In terms yeah. of building yeah. a direct relationship with your audience, there's yeah. almost no better medium yeah. than exactly. either a newsletter or a podcast. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you see that a lot in the publishing space in the last couple of years, the extent to which, uh, you know, publishers that might have, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, on-site strategies uh, are, you know, that is, uh, nobody is necessarily uh, leading with their .com um, right. anymore. Yeah. Um, and so many of those same publishers um, have pivoted uh, to heavy reliance on newsletters. I mean, there are media companies now that are effectively just collections of newsletters. Yeah, right, and really powerful ones. And yeah. For, yeah. especially for B2B, it makes sense because you own the audience, right? Yeah. I think what we've learned exactly. renting our time on these social platforms for, for so long, and, and no knock against them. They no. serve a purpose, and yeah. it's great for top of funnel, build the audience, but then channel them to the newsletter, to the podcast, exactly. to your site, to your product, a, a place where you can own the customer relationship. Mm -hmm. So that will continue to be paramount oh, yeah. for And B2B. we've seen that with the creator economy, right? Yeah. BSC creators have been doing this really well for a while, uh -huh. or at least they're starting to figure it out in a lot of ways, right? And so it's really exciting, I think, to see that transition over to B2B because I think that B2B influencers are literally, they are the original influencer, right? See, like we talk about, you know, CEOs, people who are leaders yeah. um, at all front. It's like we, you guys are the original influencer uh -huh. in a lot of ways. And so to have them come back and have their moment in time is exciting. And then also I think for me personally, I've never, even though I've been in this space for like 15 years, yeah. I've never once said, hey, I want to be a YouTube influencer right. or an Instagram influencer. It's just not been my Stick, but then it's you too come bad in. the money's a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> I think we yeah. both made the wrong choice. Yeah. Yeah. I think potentially, but it's just it's like it, it's a very it's a, grind. Yeah, it's yeah. a grind, you know. And I think what's interesting about the LinkedIn influencers or being on Twitter with influencers, like you have an expertise, you have something to say, yeah, and it feels a little bit more like warranted uh -huh. and a little bit less vanity driven. Yeah, right? I'm curious to learn more about your experience because as someone yeah. who's been in the creator economy for a decade. You know, you wrestle with this fact that like, oh, I'm on the business side and yeah, I work with creators yeah. and influencers, but that's like over here, it's B2C, it's on these platforms. Right. And then all of a sudden, like I've been doing a podcast since 2015. Yeah. I launched my newsletter last year. I've been writing on LinkedIn for, I don't know, three years now. And you catch yourself and you're like, wait, am I a creator? Right? Like yes. wrestling yeah. with crossing yes. the chasm and moving exactly. over into the other side of the equation. Yeah. What's that been like for you? Yeah. I mean, I just started, I think on LinkedIn six weeks ago, uh -huh. maybe. So um, it's a very new experience for me, but yeah. we've been doing the podcast for, um, I would say, a better part of two, two and a half years. Yep. Uh, and, and that's been really... And the newsletter. And the newsletter. The newsletter yeah. for us started, um, that was sort of my uh, pandemic baby, uh -huh. if you will. That yeah. was a way that we had to kind of reinvent ourselves to say, all right, well, we can't in real life go out and buy coffee and lunches and dinners mm -hmm. and drinks and fun things for agencies and brands. Yeah. So how do we do this? And so we actually started with a roundup of like interesting activations that were happening yeah. um, digitally as people were making that transition. And it went, like, it, it really excelled That's cool. pretty well, which was exciting. And then we, we kind of pivoted. We, you know, you go through some grow pains and stuff, and finally I just took it back over, and it's been doing really well. I was actually yeah. telling Jake we had um, a client call set up early this morning that was a source. It was a leading agency. The CEO gets our newsletter, reads it, and told her social team, get on the phone with these guys and figure out how we can work together. Right. Um, and it was like, yes. Nothing more powerful for demand gen than right? being in the CEO's inbox. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. And that's and it was exciting. I think I got a screenshot of my LinkedIn followers their day and send it around to the team because so Zendesk is a client of ours. Yep. And the CEO of Zendesk follows me. And I was Amazing. like, boom. Yeah. Right. So little things like that are really kind of interesting and exciting to sure. see. Uh, and I think that that's, that's another thing that is maybe a little bit different about B2B influencers versus B2C is that you don't have to be big. And I know we kind of yeah. talked about this a little bit, but you don't have to be big to be impactful. Correct. Uh, and I think that, that it, it ladders up a little bit more closely to how we view micro-influencers mm. in B2C, mm -hmm. right? And I think also that it also brings together challenges because it's like, well, yeah. you know, I know you have a nice following, but it's like, I don't know how many brands reach out to you yet, you know, in terms of like sponsorships, but... Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's it's the purpose, right? Like, and when I contrast sure. the differences between B2C, B2B, B2C, obviously, they need to survive on yeah. ad monetization, brand yeah. sponsorships. And that's not the case um, for B2B. Yeah. yeah, like B2B folks tend to be entrepreneurs, yeah. solopreneurs, 
um, salespeople or marketing folks who are doing social selling, um, executives, leaders, people who say, well, I'll point you to my products or services, right? In yeah. your case, you know, Social Standard is a great resource yeah. for you if you're trying to figure out exactly. the, the digital ecosystem yeah. Yeah, and influ influencer space. Um, but you don't necessarily need ad dollars turned on right. on your podcast or, you know, yeah. a sponsor in your newsletter. Right. So, so the positioning is a little different. It is. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's one of the kind of fascinating, you know, nuances yeah. to observe between the two. Totally. And yeah. you don't need it, but you still might want it. Yeah. Right. I think we'll see more of that. Like, I, yeah. I think we'll start to see sponsored content on LinkedIn. Um, yeah. You know, we'll probably see more B2B creators um, maybe aligning with brands or products in interesting yeah. ways. So yeah, totally. stay tuned for that. Yeah, because they don't, I think LinkedIn, you can't yet do, You. Can, I know they just released the thought leadership sort of bump where they can do it for employees, uh -huh. but you don't have it where you can do in-paid partnership with, no. right? And yeah. so that'll be the kind of The same disclosure rules or hashtag kind of yeah. policies as we'll you see, have on other we'll platforms. We'll see how that comes together. But yeah. where I think it's interesting too is like, one of the things that we got stuck in in the very beginning, like years ago when, when you know, I, I for whatever reason, remember Intel coming and wanting us to do B2B influencers for them. Yeah. And we gave it a shot, but we're like, you know what, this is this is hard, and B2C is really easy, mm -hmm. so we just don't have the time to chase this right now. Yeah. Um, and then all the reasons that we just kind of laid out have given rise to this situation now. But it's just, it's much easier because you don't have to rely on trying to get in touch with the CEO of open AI mm. to talk about AI stuff, right? Yeah. There are so many other people who, they're literally their entire role in life seems to be just to be a thought leader and to be yeah. an expert or an and educator those, totally an yeah. educator and yeah. those people are influencing the influencers and so i think that that's a really heavy like a really good place for b2b brands to be focusing because they're you know timetables work a little bit better their audience is more receptive to that content mm -hmm. they're already kind of posting regularly and like warming their audience up for these types of things so for me i think that's really where i see a lot of potential success for the b2b influencer space yeah yeah. So, I mean, but you know, that all that to say, it's like maybe a CEO is going to do something at some point. And you know, I think that if you look at, if you look at who your customers are and then you ladder that back, I think that works really well for like a CEO or a CMO or someone, you know, CMO says, Hey, we use Slack because mm -hmm. of this, this, and this, you know, yeah. that, that's a pretty, I think, traditional approach to B2B marketing. Yeah. But how much more interesting is it if now your customers have these huge followings? Exactly. In other Where platforms? do your customers spend time? Who do they exactly. trust? Who do they listen to? And then turning them into advocates, turning yeah. your employees into exactly. employee advocates. And give them discounts or yeah. do things. You know, like there, there are a lot of trades that you can do that people do with, you know, B2C influencers yeah. that makes a ton of sense. And then the CMO can say, hey, well, I'm doing this. But I'm also saving my money, yeah. like saving my company a ton of money because of this. I'm activating this, this community. Or, and yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or brand collabs kind of line up and you start to do, you know, you start to do a lot of different things. So I'm excited about that mm -hmm. dental space. I mean, what do you think about, um, some people say, look, people are a little too precious about their LinkedIn mm. and it doesn't, they, they don't feel like it makes Me. sense. You're, you're too yeah. precious about, I, about yeah, yours. I mean, I, yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, I, I, I care what these people think of me. Uh, <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, but I'm, that, I'm that like matters less and less the more you do. Uh, right. and, uh, not no, that you absolutely. care, not that sure. you don't care, but you, you, you have less of a, I think, at least for me, it's like the more often I post, the less crazy I am about every single little detail. No, for sure. You know? yeah, yeah, I think people can be conscientious. Obviously, they should, and it's yeah. nice to have a place where people are maybe a little bit more professional or reserved or how, whatever you want to characterize it. Mm -hmm. But I try to also encourage people to have fun with LinkedIn, right? Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be super stuffy. You should show your voice and your personality. Um, I love it when, you know, people shit post on LinkedIn and like yeah. troll the, the bro yeah. tree on the platform totally. or people have fun in the comments and yeah. make a joke or share like their personal experiences. That's what it should be all about. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think, and, and we've sort of talked about this, and that's one of the reasons Jake is here today, because I was like, we're going to get you going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think uh, I, I pride myself on uh, otherwise uh, building a social media persona that is uh, uh, too cool for school and, uh, and fundamentally um, unserious. Yeah. Um, and so to, I think, you know, um, one of the burdens uh, for, uh, I, I mean, I, I would imagine a lot of people... Um, uh, maybe, and this just could be uh, uniquely my uh, my somewhat more ironic generation, but um, uh, being uh, earnest, I think you know mm -hmm. there is a there is a there is a fear uh, on you know on on being earnest across uh, most social platforms for the most part. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I you know I I, and I think um, and I I think that. Um, uh, 
earnestness uh, is, uh, I mean, I think if, if you're going to be earnest anywhere, um, it should be uh, LinkedIn, and thusly, I think that it carries a higher risk yeah. uh, for... The importance of being earnest, your next yeah, exactly. uh, LinkedIn thought yeah, leadership exactly. post. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, proud. Yeah. Uh, no, I was going to, uh, if I, I uh, the, the newsletter title I've dreamed of so far is uh, Thought Thinker. Yeah. <laughs> because you someone know, needs to think, right? Exactly. So, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> might as well be I mean, you, might as well be Jake. Jake. Exactly. Think right. Bad. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're very good. Yeah, we're we're QAing it. Um, yeah. We'll see. We'll I like see. it. We'll yeah. see. Well, you gotta yeah. you gotta uh, hook up here exactly. with James and yes, get exactly. get into his course yeah. so you can, yeah. you yeah. know all the things. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know, to, I mean, to that point though, I think that it does seem to me. Let me know if you guys disagree, but that. Everyone needs to have a digital presence, no yes. matter yes. what. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're trying to sell for yourself, sell for your company, or just be there. Um, you've got to, you've got to have it because I mean, even if you just want a job, I think about if I'm coming out of, um, you know, I hope that I will never be searching for a job. I hope that I'm just always building businesses. No. <laughs> However, if I was in that position, um, I think about you know, well, if it's me and somebody else, and we're neck and neck, basically the same. Where do you, where are you differentiating yourself? Well, if I have. 20,000 followers on mm -hmm. LinkedIn and the person I'm competing against has 500. Well, that's an obvious choice yeah. for me as an employer. I yeah, would say sure. I would choose the person with the social following that may have the potential to do something. Right. And, right? and there's a few reasons for that. Um, one is if you're hiring for a sales and marketing role and someone has demonstrated, okay, they've built reach, yeah. they have an audience, they have relationships and connections. I think obviously that's yeah. part of the job. So yeah, exactly. it makes sense. The other piece is you get to know someone through their content, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is the new calling card. This is how I get to know. Yeah. Like we, we've known each other on LinkedIn for how long before exactly. we actually met in person? Yeah, exactly. And um, obviously we have a lot of mutual friends and sure. you know people to vouch for you. But the fact that I know who you are, I kind of have a sense for your exactly. personality and your tone from yeah. your podcast and your newsletter. Like That helps me feel like I know you. Yes, so. exactly. And the, the parasocial yeah. thing. But the, the interesting thing about LinkedIn influencers is I think that there is a higher propensity to meet in real life. Yes, for right? sure. And that yeah. that's, I think, where the strength and the power of everything really can happen. Because yeah. I know creators can draw people in, but they're not, they're drawing them in for different reasons. It's almost more of a celebrity. Mm. Whereas I think on the B2B side, yeah, there's a celebrity, but it's more of like an expert, someone to have a conversation with, yeah. you know, and really kind of like dig in with. Yeah. Um, and I think and there's real relationships there, right? So yeah, I've exactly. been on the platform since, gosh, I don't know, 20, uh, late, late aughts, right? Like, okay. so... Um, and when you first got on LinkedIn, it was a lot of early adopters and yeah. you could kind of reach out to people and be like, Hey Jess, we don't know each other, but yeah. we're kind of in the same field. What you're doing is interesting. Yeah. Like I'd love to learn more and people sure. be like, sure, let's jump on a call or we'll meet for coffee. Yeah. And then over time, LinkedIn got bigger and you know, with any of these platforms, there's a little bit more spam. There's, sure. you know, like more stuff going on. You don't necessarily want to talk to every single person. But, um, I found that now rather than it being this, um, kind of push mechanism of, Hey, let's, let's chat. It's a magnet. It's a, it's a yeah. pull mechanism of I'll share my content. You follow me. We kind of engage in the comments or through DMS. Sure. And then it's like, Hey, are you going to that event? Or, yeah. you know, let's jump on a zoom or let's meet for drinks and get to know each other. And so yes, like, you know, LinkedIn is a platform that facilitates more of that IRL yeah. connectivity. Totally. And I think people yeah. are way more open to that sort of style of connection now as well, because people are just, especially with remote work, Right. If you're not going into an office, you're not talking to, you know, 50 people a day anyway. So uh -huh. you are a little bit hungrier, I think, for conversations that are relevant in the industry. Um, and so I find that whenever I reach out to someone, most of the time they're receptive in, you know, in having a conversation, uh, at least at the baseline. Right. Yeah. And I think I, I do think that, that that's super interesting. And I, and I love that. Um, I just love to see what other people are doing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so, it's so cool. And it, you know, you see like, Hey, well, if this is their path, I could do that. Mm -hmm. Of course I could do that. Why couldn't I do that? Why couldn't right. I start, you know, do keynote or, you know, whatever yeah, people yeah. are doing, keynoting, they're starting podcasts or, you know, look what we're doing right here. Uh -huh. Right. This was all born off of LinkedIn. I mean, Jake, we hired you off of LinkedIn, right? <laughs> I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, so it's like LinkedIn, LinkedIn, you know, yeah. this whole room is basically a LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think there are any alternatives? Like, do you see this activity happening well, on this, platforms? I think about this all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because uh, there, I mean, firstly, I would say LinkedIn is arguably the most social, social network mm. at the moment, right? I mm -hmm. think it's really where, I mean, other yeah. than uh, Facebook uh, for, you know, a largely older and mostly non-professional demographic. Yeah. Um, I think LinkedIn is really where you see the most 
person-to-person interaction. In yeah. You're probably right about that because the original idea of a social network, right, connecting people, yeah. fell out of fashion as platforms realized, okay, well, if I push content, and right, we can monetize it. It's a little bit of a better business. Better. And obviously, like, LinkedIn yeah. is kind of moving in that yeah. direction. But you're right. Like, there's so much um, communication that happens in the platform, whereas, you know, maybe less so on Instagram and TikTok over the years relative to the consumption of content. Correct. And people are moving to like dark social platforms, yes. right. direct messages, um, messaging platforms like uh, Telegram or WhatsApp. Or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Actually, we were talking uh, with Leah earlier mm-hmm. um, about uh, the extent to which she's seeing um, Discord uh, yeah. become yeah. a resource for professional communities. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a few networking groups that are, yeah. are you? through Discord. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Slack too, but like Discord yeah. feels like maybe a better resource for. Yeah, it feels that. less like you're at work. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Like hearing that alarm mm-hmm. bell or getting exactly. the notification on Slack feels like, okay, I've got work yeah. to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I do think that Discord versus Slack has just built out much more social functionality. Uh-huh. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, whether that's. Uh, whether that's uh, 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 whether that's voice memos or just uh, custom memes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, I think that they have um, they have built into their UX just kind of more casual interaction uh-huh. um, that you know enables a freer, freer flowing conversation versus Jess's point, whereas you know when you when you're on Slack, you do just kind of tend to feel like you're. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, work is literally just a click away. For sure. Yeah. Hey, so Discord is interesting, but you know, I tend to think of well, we had almost this kind of B two B platform peak in call it early twenty twenty one. Sure. Clubhouse came on the scene. Yes. Right? Everyone was spending time. Oh, yeah. let's have professional conversations. Yes. Through yeah. live audio, Twitter Spaces, right? You know, yeah, other platforms. Yeah, yeah, racing yeah. to do the same thing. Um, some of that seems to have cooled off. Some yes. of that has moved to other places. Um, Twitter, you know, is the other obvious example of a B two B platform, yes. Yes. right? But but for specific communities like VC right. journalism, yeah, journalism yeah. right? Yeah. Like sports, right. like there's some yep. really um, core active groups. Yes. But I wonder if they're going to stay there or if they're moving to new platforms now. As so a result of I know I read a stat, and this is from LinkedIn, so you always got to kind of sure you know, grain of salt. <laughs> a grain of salt, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think it said 31 percent of Link- LinkedIn senior members of LinkedIn are not on another platform. Hmm. So they're not on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and that, that would be me. Like I'm not, I'm not on Twitter outside of the social standard. I'm not personally on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I like Twitter and it's fine, but I go in and I don't really, I don't participate necessarily. Uh I consume a little bit every once in a while. But Twitter did just announce that, um, not just, I think it was last week, but they're talking about now they're going to have a jobs functionality. And Mm. I think my guess is that they have seen the success, part of the success that LinkedIn has had driving more businesses there. Because if you have people who are, you know, you've got talent who are now all over LinkedIn Mm -hmm. because they're looking for jobs. Plus you have senior members of teams who are hiring that are all over. And so it just becomes a natural place to continue to uh, have conversations and be there. And that's something that Twitter needs a little bit more of, Uh you know, at, at at the present time. Yeah. And also I wonder if the format lends itself, you know, uh, to it because you don't have just this micro blogging concept. Right. It's kind of a little bit more long form. Yeah. Right. In nature. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, I think Twitter is like, I think actually Twitter has a really interesting opportunity ahead mm. of it in terms of getting into long form content. Yeah. I mean, I think that we've seen that start to kind of play out. Yeah. But I actually think they could do a really interesting thing there with subscriptions. Yeah. Um, you have the short form, which is your advertisement. You have the mm-hmm. long form, which drives your revenue. Um, you have a lot of conversations. They're doing picture-in-picture stuff now. So yeah. they, they, I would say, uh, what I would say about Twitter is what I used to say about Pinterest. Yep. Is the only thing that will get in their way are themselves. Uh-huh. Right? So if they can just keep, if they can get out of their own way, I actually think they have a really good shot at doing a lot of, yeah. a lot of really and cool stuff. And to their credit, um, Twitter has probably one of the fastest cycles of innovation, right? Like if, yes. you, if you follow exactly. their right. announcements, right? Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube tend to be the best yes. at shipping new features. Now, obviously, Twitter, sometimes they'll pull those back or yeah. it's just beta. But the speed at which they are ideating That's and innovating is, is strong. And I think Twitter is a platform where B2B and B2C creators can both utilize them. Yeah, you can co- coexist. Can utilize, exactly, totally. coexist. Yep. And that's, so that's really interesting, too. Uh-huh. I, don't th- I know that creators are uh, migrating a bit to LinkedIn, having some success uh-huh. there. But I just don't think it's the same. Yeah, and I'm curious about so, that. You're probably closer to this than I yeah. am. Why... If I'm a traditional B2C creator, do sure. I want to be on LinkedIn? I imagine it's to connect with brands yeah. and agents. To be in front of brands. Okay. It's lead gen, yeah, right? Sense. I mean, would you yeah, agree no, with that? Without a doubt. I mean, that was always, I remember, uh, you know, uh, kind of um, in the early, uh, in the 
in the sort of early era of professionalized YouTube, um, when you saw a lot of creators actually build out uh, LinkedIn uh, profiles, it did seem to me just as sort of a you know another marketing channel yeah. uh, for their for their services. You know, as creators, mm-hmm. not necessarily you know they weren't per se doing uh, professional networking on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah, it was just much. It was about you know effectively marketing. You know, uh, per uh, per your point, their personal you know their personal brands. Yeah, um, that was uh, and I think increasingly. Um, I mean, I, I I don't see that. I don't think that that has abated, um, but I also, you know, they they haven't expanded that use case beyond just sort of, you know, marketing themselves for effectively for job opportunities. Yeah, yeah and I don't think they need to necessarily. No. Um, but you do see, like, the creator economy, like the people who are supporting creators getting on there, like um, Reed from Night Media. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, he does it, he does Nightlight. That's his newsletter. Uh-huh. Um, and he talks a lot about the creator economy, and you know that he's an influential guy because he's surrounded by all of these um, these big creators. Yeah. So you want to you want to lean. I want to know what he's saying and sure. what he's seeing because he has a different perspective, right? In terms of like what's actually going on there. Uh-huh. Actually, when we were interviewing for a role, I don't remember. Uh, I remember exactly what it was, but I had interviewed a guy who set in on um, all the discussions that Mr. Beast would have with hmm. the network of creators, uh-huh. and they would they would have you know all these learnings, kind of like yeah, their stand ups and their sure. sort of things. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. He'd right. be a really great guy to hire uh-huh. just because he knows so much uh-huh. about like what's tr- you know currently trending. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, and it just it makes sense for everyone to have some sort of presence. Yeah. I just think it does. My question though is like. And this is something I've been posing to a lot of people um, this last week, and we'll you know continue all through VidCon and mm-hmm. everything. Is where do you think? How do you think this shakes out in terms of like, is there will there be a line in the sand where people can be like, just themselves? This is personal, mm. social, um, non-work things, and then this is professional. Like, are we mm. you know because if everyone's spending more and more time online, that's fine, but. You have to be able to cut loose and do some fun things. Yeah. Are we uh, talking about America or France? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point. I <laughs> America, I would uh-huh. say, but gen- generally, like the well, broader. Sure. But I know. do think that it, to some extent, it is yeah. cultural, right? I mean, it's probably in, true. In America, I think partly why, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I think in America in particular, partly why uh, LinkedIn is arguably the most social of social networks is because we tend to, you know, identify much more closely with our. Sure. Vocations, mm. yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, it's a big part uh, of identity. You know, whereas in uh, countries such as France, uh, they pass laws where your boss is forbidden to yeah. uh, email you after hours. I mean, I think right. it's large, It's going to vary from uh, culture to culture, but you know, I think America well. is still the largest uh, cultural, global cultural influence, and so yeah, I mean, for the most part, um, I think that the you know. It, it, things will uh, trend uh, American until you know we we lose our own cultural hegemony, which you know we never will because we're the greatest <laughs> country on earth. Well, look at that. We could just you know Boom, press forward yeah, on a strong exactly. patriotic yeah. uh, note. There we go. Yeah. Uh, look, I, the way I look at it is uh, the future of media is increasing fragmentation. Right. Yes, we started 100%. with one, two, three uh, TV channels, and now we yeah. have hundreds. The same thing with with unlimited content choices now, and yeah. the same thing is true of platforms and formats. And so. With that, you also have a fragmentation of identity, right? The way mm, I show yeah. up on LinkedIn yeah. may be different than how I connect with friends um, on a social platform sure. or a dark social conversation like iMessage or WhatsApp. Um, different than how I talk to family, yeah. college friends, people who I have an affinity group, right? Totally. Like the people I play tennis or pickleball with. Yeah. Like we talk about different things in different spaces in different ways, and that's right. okay, right? Like yeah. that's all elements of your identity, but sure. they're just represented in different ways and on different platforms online. Yes, so I agree. And I think that mirrors how people do things in real life. Totally. I think the the distinguishing factor for me is that like, if I can see all of those conversations that you are having uh-huh. in other places, that's where it gets a little dicey, I think, because, mm. you know, unless you're 100% squeaky clean online, eventually this does come back to bite you. Uh-huh. So to me, it's like, is, is there going to be some sort of like, there, somebody has to, like we were talking about earlier, maybe it was Snapchat, um, but some platform has got to come up with a way to solve that problem, mm. right? Well, we live our entire lives online now, right? There's generations yeah. who are growing up on the internet. Yeah. And so, you know, the crazy stuff we may have done as teenagers didn't yeah. get captured and recorded and shared exactly. with the whole world. And now yeah. that Well, no one can be a politician. Yeah, anymore, right, exactly. Right? That, that, our careers done. are over. So yeah. I think that, you know, just as, uh, as users and consumers, we're also just much more uh, savvy about kind of gating and curating 
um, our fees. And I think that mm. as adults, know, yes, right. But I, right, exactly. And I think that that's uh, that partly explains um, the popularity of, or the you know the, the recent popularity Page of, of new, well, and, and newsletters in particular, yeah. which are effectively just sort of blog. Uh, 3.5, um, because um, I think the the conclusion at which a lot of you know older people or or near or nearly middle aged people uh, um, is uh, your inbox is ultimately uh, your most uh, curatable algorithm. Mm. Um, yes, you know it really does permit sort of a level of control uh, over the feed of information that you know a social platform can't. That's true. Um, but so I think that's what's sort of not dangerous, but it, it's a little tougher if you are trying to, um, if you're a, a news site, for example, if you're trying yeah. to get people eyeballs there, because the reality is that everything that we're doing now with all the algorithms is curated specifically for you. So you almost lose the ability to figure out where to go when you want to find something right. in a lot of ways. And I think there are a lot of strengths there, but I, I think of myself as my own personal examples, like when I'm trying to figure out if I need like an event, like outfit or something, mm -hmm. I don't know how to find that on Google anymore. Mm. I only know how to go to the brands that I know that are showing up in my inbox yeah. and to what the influencers are sharing about on social. Right. That's that's where I, I search on social and I, I search on the brands sites that I actually yeah. go to directly. And that all may change in the next two years as AI yeah, replaces search, right? True. Like the way that we interact today is keyboard and mouse yeah. and search, right? Yeah. But if we move into a you know voice dominated yeah, era and then true. AI curation of know here's your co-pilot or your smart assistant who's mm -hmm. helping you find all the, these things yeah exactly like then your entire experience the way you connect with your devices and your online persona yeah. may change forever and i love that too just to think like if i could use that to search through like you know like a hey siri moment can you mm. find what uh amber clark wore when she was pregnant and went to the beach mm -hmm. and they can surface that yep. swimsuit and then i can you know go and find like maternity based clothing that works uh -huh. in the style that i like like that it's coming. Yeah, and that's yep. it, that's a that's a real like a really strong case for affiliate. Uh-huh. Right? I totally. mean the long tail on affiliate is about to get outrageous. Yep. So Yes, mm. however, then you are creating um, incentives that influence the algorithm to inform that answer. And from my perspective, at least the current uh, the, the, the biggest problem uh, currently with uh, you know generative AI sure. um, is its inability to admit when it's wrong. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> and, you know, I cite this very specific example of um, just, you know, to the extent that I, like most people, uh, have been worried about how AI might imperil my own job, um, uh, tasked it with coming up with a talent, uh, with a list of, you know, uh, TikTok creators who met uh, certain um, parameters. Um, and when I did then did due diligence uh, to double check uh, these creators, 99% of them just didn't exist. And moreover, it was you could see a very clear pattern in how it generated these usernames. It was literally some outdoor term underscore and then an alliterative first name. So mm -hmm. it was, you know, uh, Mountain Mike or uh, Camping Chris. Uh -huh. um, and I do think um, we are already at a point where people are putting maybe too much faith um, in uh, the answers rendered by these generative tools, yeah. and, and you know, and and that is um, an uncanny opportunity, I think, for uh, social networks to say, actually, this multitude of opinions, this sort of you know morass of ideas and conversation, is going to ultimately you know deliver a a sounder and uh, and better conclusion than you know than 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 this you know nebulous generative uh, <laughs> thing uh, yeah. that happens uh, across several million servers. Yeah. Well, but I think, you know, facts or information is, it's not knowledge. Right. And that's that's the differentiation, right, mm -hmm. right for, for AI right now. Right. It's just, it's a, it, it aggregates things. Right. It's not actually, you can't glean anything from what AI tells you. Yeah. Right. Um, at least not yet. Yeah. But anyway. that, that actually got me thinking. It's like, I wonder, um, now this is not a conversation about AI, but how interesting would it be if you, um, if you know somebody at, uh, you know, OpenAI, when anyone types in the best influencers in XYZ, mm. if you can pay to have a talent management company could pay to have well, their yeah. roster pop right up. Sure. Yeah. That's right? why the, 
the affiliate points sort of in inspired that reflection yeah. because mm -hmm. I mean then you're in the search business where you are right. basically paying this thing to surface uh, your product uh, as a top result, you yeah. know, contrary to whether or not that might be true. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's just more evidence that search and social are basically the same thing. They're, sure. they're, they're literally going to yeah. be the same thing, yeah. um, which will make for some really interesting, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how like our business evolves mm -hmm. over the next couple of years because we're already, you know, we can already do paid media mm -hmm. and we're already getting smarter on SEO because of the way that TikTok searches. Yeah. And it's just, those are going to be things that are, continuously built out sure so it's going to be kind of an exciting time yeah well and you mentioned you know affiliate as such an important income stream for b2c creators yes but imagine that will become of greater importance to b2b talent as you well think so yeah well yeah like if you could promote um something that you're already a fan of right that you would yeah, use in true. your work contacts that you want to you know share yeah. with your audience I it's think just that's in my in my experience affiliate works best at scale mm. right and so that's and not that it it does, but if the ACV is low, right? In B two B, the right. ACV is really high, so yeah, you don't necessarily need to drive as uh, as big a volume of purchases. That's true. But if someone signs up for Netsuite because you referred them, yeah, that can be meaningful. Yeah, right. that's true. However, on the flip side, uh, the presuming you know we're talking about a B two B influencer who you know is truly a B, um, mm -hmm. and you know and and is otherwise a working professional. Um, the incentives are, you know, at the at at an affiliate engagement, the incentives are potentially lower, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are being paid, you know, at a cost per action um, mm -hmm. versus, you know, it's not it's not as attractive a sort of ancillary, uh, more passive uh, revenue alternative uh, to maybe somebody that has a day job, yeah. uh, versus an influencer. I think what we're we're really going to see is um, large. B2B creators taking ownership stakes in companies, right? Yep. That's and a great point. E either yes. their business Absolutely. or a small minority stake and promoting yeah. you know, other entrepreneurs or people that they're aligned with through the power of their distribution online. Yes. I mean, you're already seeing that in the on the B2C side as yeah. well. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of these you know, uh, so-called uh, celebrity-founded companies are ultimately just elaborate endorsement deals yeah. uh, sure. by, yeah. you know, by pre-existing entities. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yes, so I guess the net of it is uh, we should all be, well, I guess I don't need to tell you guys, but building up our LinkedIn followers. So someone offers us an ownership stake. Yep, there we go. Yeah, I like it. We'll just sort of set up. You can set up your own little incubator and a little VC for all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right, especially because, you know, when you look at when you look at the VC model, right, obviously it's cash mm -hmm. that you're getting and that's the main thing. But a lot of them in order to differentiate themselves will also provide like strategic advisors or they mm -hmm. have the ability to open doors, right? Like basically what Shark Tank is, yep. right? Be able to open doors and do all this sort of stuff for you. That a B2B influencer can absolutely do that. Not only yeah. can it be a lead gen, which is maybe the, the cash component in some case, they probably have the cash to put down. And then on top of that, they actually have in theory expertise to drive, um, to drive value for the business. Yeah. So they, that makes them, makes them pretty interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I'm tempted to go on a tangent about how VC has grown from a cottage industry to a big business. And obviously that has partly coincided. Tangent away. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, yeah. To, the, um, to the massive explosion in, in uh, startups, right? Like, yeah. Yes. You know, it's easier than ever to start a business now. But, um, well, you know. Some of that also has to do with Fed policy. Sure. Uh, and, sure. And yeah, yeah. True, yeah. yeah. But, um, but it's, it's uh, I think VCs have to respond to the fact that there is greater competition right, yeah. for, the or for the demand for capital, but also um, there's this pressure where we've moved away from an environment in which, you know, VCs, many still do, fund, um, you know, like hard tech problems or, or really capital intensive businesses up front, hardware, yeah. life sciences, right? Mm -hmm. If you're starting a software business, like you can kind of increasingly do that with pretty low capital requirements. Like, yes. mm -hmm. I don't know, Facebook was yeah. started with uh, something like $500,000 in, exactly. in seed capital. Yeah. So um, it just makes you wonder, right, like if these businesses aren't necessarily as capital intensive as they used to be, what is the value that the VCs offer, right? It has to be differentiated as a result. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. definitely true. I mean, that's that's a big reason why I was, I wanted to, get, I saw I was in private equity a long time ago. Uh -huh. uh, and that was one of the reasons I said, I, this is not a career for me because the same thing happens. It's like you start, you look around, I'm like, how many, how many private equity firms can the economy support here mm -hmm. at this point? You know, like you, the goal is to get to the top, yeah. right? That's always the best, sure. the best way, but it's just like the value is going down, down, down. I'm yep. like, by the time I get to anywhere where I'm going to be, it's going to be so hard to eke out any value. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was the whole, um, 
model with LBOs, like leverage buyouts, right? Sure. We've gotten troubles like that. We're just financial engineering. And I was like, I just, yeah. I'm not here for the technical side of it. Right. And I thought VCs were more interesting because you could make bigger bets mm-hmm. and you make a lot more of them. Very different discipline, you know? right? PE exactly. is about noticing, okay, well, there's an imbalance in the market and we can profit exactly. off this opportunity. Yeah. Whereas VC is betting on the long-term growth potential, yeah. Yeah. which is, you know, a risky game, but, sure. um, but you, you, you have enough math, bets, right? one, yeah, one exactly. or two of them, and that's their whole thing. But yeah, you're right. It's like, I think even when I, when I was in, when I first started getting into this business and it's, well, no, I guess it was actually probably like five or six years after I was in the influencer space. Mm. I did have friends who were, you know, at VC funds and PE funds and they were calling me and say, Hey, like influencers, it seems like this is something that's coming up, yeah. you know, really big. We think it's going to be big. How do we get into it? I was like, you don't. Yeah. Really, you don't. Because uh-huh. I don't know what you, how do you, how do you exit this? How do you, right. what's the recurring revenue? What are you investing uh-huh. in? These are people. Yeah. Right. right. And it's not that you can't do that, but like, I know what the model is that works that leads to big exits and I don't see it here. Yeah. People yeah. are yeah. still trying to solve that problem, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we create animation versions of talent? How do we, exactly. you know, uh, bring the talent from the forefront to still playing an important role, but diversifying the cast and exactly. you know, finding ways that these aren't solely reliant on an individual. Yeah. Because yes, you're right. Media companies, especially talent-founded or talent-led are very challenging it's to transition. Why mm-hmm. I knew uh, Endeavor was never IPO, because <laughs> it just it was just seemed absolutely impossible to me uh, yeah. to, you know, uh, to establish any consistent valuation of a talent agency when yeah. at any given time the talent could nearly walk out the door. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what's the value? The value's in the contracts. The contracts are short, yeah. usually, and then if or, your agent or leaves they're, or they're tied to the agent or, or they're non-existent at all. I remember, yeah. you know, I have this very funny anecdote uh, where, you know, I was in a I was in an agency assistant like everyone else who uh, was trying to make it, uh, who was trying to fulfill their entourage dreams. Um, <laughs> and um, I, uh, I, you know, I remember the, when the agent I was working for assigned a new client, um, and uh, he was really the client was really intent on you know signing whatever was his commitment letter to be represented by this, by ICM. And uh, <laughs> the agent was talking to another agent uh, who you know who was going to be sharing uh, him said uh, I've never in my life uh, had a client so intent on signing agency papers um, in other words usually um, they, they want, want to, the yeah. most you know informal tangential commitment uh, possible because sure. they don't want to be you know uh, locked or committed yeah. uh, to that relationship yeah um, that makes sense so yeah I mean how do you value how do you value a company uh, whose assets are effectively you know uh, but they're, they're contracts, right, exactly. so they're not they're not right. Exactly, yeah. are, are are wholly uh, non proprietary. Well, and I think I don't know that I I'm not sure if the other ones did it too, but I remember reading um, about how CAA in the beginning. That's why they always have like three or four people mm-hmm. on every single like yes. influencer celebrity that they manage yeah, because if someone walks yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and someone walks away, they don't feel like they have to go with that person. Right. Sure. Um, and then that was also in the beginning. I thought, oh, this is really interesting to look at how CAA would just do you know not just the actors, the actresses. Uh-huh. They would also like, the producers were influencers and directors, right. and they would kind of cobble together these whole things and build yeah. an entire production set from scratch and they would get True. a piece of the pie on every single well, thing and that's kind of what creators have done yeah do now. you see similar parallels right. in the creator uh, economy yeah. like exclusivity versus people not wanting to commit to longer terms yeah i mean i think so right i, I mean, mean i think if anything it's you know it's uh it's only intensified and accelerated yeah uh, like most things i mean like the uh like the pace of uh of uh technology and uh particularly technology uh related to entertainment but yes i mean i think um you know especially for independent content creators who did not you know who who can uh credit themselves with uh making that on their own uh to a much greater extent than you know might have a offline celebrity 10 years ago who Mm -hmm. had to abide the you know the the strictures and the infrastructure of of offline entertainment um they are just you know by build going to be warier of of you know of, of large uh, infrastructures and formalities and, you know, operationalized mm-hmm. uh, institutions as represented by, you know, traditional uh, talent management and agency companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, and I think even the information had that article earlier in the week, last week maybe, saying that the creator economy has got its reckoning, mm. right? Because you have all these businesses that have tried to capitalize on services and building products around creators. Yeah. And then you realize, like, hey, 
not that this isn't as big of a market. It gets a ton of press. Not everything needs to be the X for creators. Yeah, yeah look, exactly. I, I, we are in the midst of a creator economy winter, whether you want to admit sure. it or not. Yeah. That's the case for a lot of industries. Yeah. That doesn't mean amazing entrepreneurs aren't still building incredible oh, products. Oh, exactly. And they're always going to be the rare, the yeah. rare birds that can do it. Yeah. But we had such enthusiasm and, mm-hmm. you know, the COVID bump pulled forward so much yeah. activity in 21, totally. that um, I think as with any hot space, People rush in that say, oh, dollar signs, like I can make some money here mm-hmm. versus oh, I've spent a decade learning about this industry yeah. and passionate about solving this problem, working with creators. Yeah. And so, you know, we probably have too many Lincoln Bio companies. We probably sure. have too many you know, XYZ companies, but um, that's part of building in a new space. You're going to yeah. have a lot of people rush in, then the dust settles, exactly. right, things shake out, and then you'll have a few winners. Um, but it means great growth and opportunity for oh, everyone 100%. in the space. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, and I think that a lot of that enthusiasm uh, came on the heels of sort of the vertical video explosion Mm -hmm. Mm vis-a-vis TikTok. And the whole reason that, you know, that exploded was the extent to which um, they lowered the barrier to entry. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as soon as you you flood uh, the market with a product, that product is just invariably going to be less valuable. Yeah. Um, And now we have reels and we have shorts and we have spotlight. I know. All these things. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that has been just the sort of fundamental. I mean, I, I think that we are now facing uh, what has been the sort of the, the defining uh, dilemma of uh, vertical video and, you know, and, you know, and, and content uh, and, and what are effectively what I, you know, I think of the latter video platforms, specifically TikTok and, and Reels as being less uh, social networks or video platforms than just kind of like entertainment. You know, right, exactly. Yeah. They're just, they're just, you know, uh, do I watch TikTok or do I watch Netflix? Right. Right. Do I play a video yes. game or do I, right. you know, exactly. go see my friends? They're just viral yeah. video machines. Uh-huh. Um, and that, you know, to the extent that they are thusly invested in constantly surfacing you new content, uh-huh. uh, just, you know, divorced from your uh, necessarily who you follow or your feed, um, I think that, you know, by nature, people are just not going to be able to form those, those you know, those intense parasocial connections that they were yeah. able to. Oh, you yeah. see it already, right? Like, exactly. how many TikTok stars do you know the name of relative to an Instagram or a YouTube yeah. creator? You don't, totally. right? Because right. what's the genius of TikTok is we kind of went from the early era of entertainment, which was... Um, social networking, it's interesting to hear what my friends are doing online to, okay, but now there's like professional influencers and creators and they do interesting things all the time. They're a little bit more interesting than the people I know in everyday life to TikTok says, well, you know, we could just serve you the best of the internet all the time, catered to your personalized whims and preferences, right? That's a lot more interesting. And I think the next iteration is of course, generative AI produces the content specifically tailored to your watch history. Like that's where we're going. Right. Um, but uh, the other clever thing about TikTok's business model is, well, in an average session on YouTube, someone watches two videos, right? Sure. And maybe right. looks at 15 photos on Instagram. Someone watches over 100 yeah. videos on TikTok. Right. So that's a lot more attention and, and opportunities to serve an ad spot, right? If right. I can serve an ad in between every third to fifth TikTok video you see, my ad load is a lot higher than you have on YouTube. Right. And then that, you know, creates what is their uh, fundamental sort of monetization problem, which is attribution, right? Mm -hmm. To whom do you you attribute that ad? Yeah. The the video before, the video after? Yeah. Classic social issue. Yeah. 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 Or the six videos uh, prior that they might have, you know, rewatched three or four more times. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we're ever going to solve multi-touch attribution, but we maybe don't have to, right? Like, I think this just kind of replaces what TV was, right? It's like, right. here's your general reach, top of funnel, awareness, boosting, and then you could do your more targeted, you know, yeah. retargeting work or, um, you know, influencers to, to drive people to the next stage of, of purchase. Sure. Right. You know, it'll right. just be a substitute. But I think people get too, I think brands in general get a little too granular on uh-huh. tracking all this stuff because if yeah. even if you like back up before the internet, it's not like, like when people were creating diaries, for what they were listening to on the radio and the ads that they heard, do we really think that that was that accurate? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. we've we've sort of over-indexed on our comfort levels with being able to track things. Yeah, oh, everything's real-time, so I shouldn't have this data. Too much faith into it, yeah. yeah. I mean, the reality is, is like, you're ev- and I think even just to bring it back to B2B influencers or influencers in general, what you're seeing on LinkedIn is like, yeah, if, you're, if you are everywhere all the time in your niche, by default, you're an elevated status mm. because people know who you are. Mm-hmm. So whether or not you're 
the leading name or you're yeah. not, you know, or what you would be in, you know, real life. Uh-huh. You have the appearance of that. And all, the whole internet is based on the appearance of yeah. things, right? Whether or not that it's, it's actual fact, we don't know. Yeah. But if a brand is everywhere, you're going to buy from them mm-hmm. because you just can't get away from them. Yep. Right? Yep. So. And that's been Coca-Cola's marketing strategy for decades. Yeah, and look, and they're so they're a big brand for a big reason, yeah. right? I think people want to discount. I actually had a really interesting conversation with um, a guy from Chief Outsiders, which is like a mm-hmm. fractional CMO-based uh-huh. uh, company. And he was saying, look, you know, we are working with a lot of these DTC brands, mm. and they just want digital, digital, digital. Yeah. They're not interested in trying, like, mailers, mm. you know, like direct mail uh, and things like that. And he's like, well, it's really effective. Yeah. And there's a reason why people have been using this stuff forever. It's not just because the internet wasn't around. Yeah. It's because it is really effective. Mm-hmm. And I think we even saw for a while, a couple of years ago, that how cheap television was mm-hmm. because no one was on it. Yeah. Right. And we, I saw a lot of like even our clients, some of our clients testing television spots, yeah. right. And QR codes and all sorts of stuff. Makes sense. So, I mean, it's there, but I think this isn't a, this is not a lesson in branding you know, uh-huh. so, or, or marketing, but like yeah. you have to be, you have to be in multiple avenues. Yes. Like sure. You could start as a digital only brand, but that's not how you get past. If you want to, if you want to get past 25, 30 oh, million yeah. I look at Warby revenue. Parker, look at all the DTC exactly. success yeah. stories, honest company. They've yeah. all bridged the gap and gone into traditional. And exactly. there is, there are, uh, you know, there, there's a, a sizable infrastructure being built out now for, uh, that for companies that provide wholesale solutions for DTC companies mm-hmm. to get them into, you yeah. know, uh, niche boutiques uh, in Brooklyn and uh, and Silver Lake, yeah. um, and, and <laughs> with presumably with the you know with the plan of owning that you know then owning the wholesale relationships to you know Walmart and Target. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. I mean, I don't know when you think about um, when you think about B two B influencers, yeah. and you think about brands like in B two B brands, like what would you say? What would you say? they need to focus on predominantly mm. like uh, in order to be successful yeah. in this space. Sure. So on the brand side, as we touched on, I encourage yeah. them to um, find your employees and your customers who are yeah. already advocates and amplify that, right? Give yeah. them more resources, encourage them, right? Give them early access, discounts, anything you can to promote the sure. content creation and the activity there. Um, the other part is participate in the conversation, show up where your yeah. audience is online, encourage that, yeah. that, commu- that conversation. Um, and then, uh, again, think about how your people, not just in leadership, but throughout the organization can be thought leaders, yeah. right? So you should, um, partic- particularly if you are an executive, you need to have a presence. You yeah. need to be sharing your viewpoints and active online. Um, and then for individuals, right? Like think about your personal brand, right? Mm-hmm. It's more important now than ever. It's still, we talk about so much about LinkedIn, but only one or 2% of people yeah. actually post, right? A lot more people consume sure, content consume. or use it in other ways. But um, that ratio is only going to grow. Yeah. So uh, it's still a great time to get in early and, and share your thoughts. Um, and then even if you're, you know, maybe hesitant to post or you don't have a fully formed idea, engage, right? Like yeah. comment on someone's post, take part in the conversation, exactly. share your learnings. Um, you'll learn a lot in the process. And Absolutely. the dividends will um, reveal themselves as yeah. you connect with people. And to kind of baby step it in, I think you, yeah. know, you can you can tell where, at least I feel like I can tell that LinkedIn is in this sort of interesting time where you yeah. can still get in, you can make a big impact, you can do a lot of different things. So uh-huh. like, don't sleep on it because we've watched this happen time and time again where brands wait until, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to be here, I'm not going to be yeah. here. And then, then the price of entry is big. Right. You have to buy your way in, whereas yep. now you can kind of earn your way in and you are better for it. Exactly. Right? Yep. Um, the other, so the last question I have for you is, what do you, we've kind of touched on this a little bit where it's mm-hmm. like LinkedIn feels a little Facebooky sometimes mm. with, you know, oh, I'm getting birthday yeah. updates. I'm getting life status uh-huh. updates. I've seen a baby. baby. Totally. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So if people are starting to do that. What is your, um, what's your take on that? Yeah. Like, do you think that that's a place for it? Do you think that that works? Does that, does that elevate uh-huh. your personal brand or do you think it detracts from it? Uh, in general, I err on the side of LinkedIn is not Facebook, right? Sure. So don't overshare. Um, part of that is because a lot of people will use it as engagement bait. If you mm. post your wedding photo, your baby True. announcement, people will yeah. engage with it. Yeah. Does that necessarily elevate you as a thought leadership leader or help you build your audience? Probably not, right? right? How savvy is the algorithm at suppressing that stuff to the extent that, say, you know, YouTube 
uh, not great. Has, has right. been incredibly savvy at you know at at suppressing fraud. other social platforms algorithms. You know, look, I don't work for LinkedIn. I'm, I'm hypothesizing here based on experience, <laughs> so this is anecdotal. But um, it's not as sophisticated as right. TikTok or and YouTube, and it couldn't be because right? it's not been a true social media yeah. platform for that long. So, um, but it is evolving. It's getting better, and mm -hmm. so we've seen things like you know people were. Uh, abusing the notion of a poll before the polls function yes, existed to yeah. say, do you think people should work from home or return to office, right? Mm -hmm. Use the thumbs up yeah. if you want to vote for choice A, yeah. use the heart for choice B. And it's like, okay, yes, you're driving engagement. You are um, essentially gaming the algorithm sure. to right. show your post more often and serve impressions. LinkedIn has cracked down on that. They have the poll format, which I think is still engagement bait, yeah. but I think they're yeah. moderating the way in which that is used and how that's shown. Um, I think they are looking at um, weights to the algorithm that will over time, look, the, the ultimate currency is is um, time and attention, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, dwell time or um, participation with a piece of content in a meaningful way yeah. will increasingly prevail more in the LinkedIn algorithm than perhaps it does today. And I think that will be a good thing for everyone online. Um, but yes, I would, I would encourage people to say, if you have something personal you want to share, that's sure. okay. Like yeah. I wrote a post this week about my father-in-law and I building mm -hmm. a dining room table, right? It's like definitely a personal post, sure. but I tied it back to, you know, like a business lesson or a principle mm -hmm. in my life, which sure. is that I think as adults, we're hesitant to try new things, right? And to share our stories of being a beginner. And a lot of things have parallels to that, like me starting my journey on LinkedIn. Sure. I know nothing about it, but you have to start somewhere. So yeah. you write a post, right? Woodworking. Same thing, like I knew nothing about it, but here was a project that I could do. And sharing the story and the personal experience, but tying that back to a broader theme, sure. I think can be appropriate. So yeah. you just have to be careful about how you do it. Yeah, I think, and I think that's right. Because I think, you know, I was actually talking to our CRO uh, about that. And he said, look, he said, you know, personal selling. Like, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a sales guy, you want to get out there, you want to have connections and you want it to be meaningful. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that you do that is you involve your life. Yes. And you make yourself relatable. Yes. So I think that for some... In my opinion, I think for some people in certain industries, it could actually, it yeah, could actually work it works, in your favor. Right? It like right? humanizes you. It makes you more relatable. Yes. Here's another exactly. dimension to me. Yeah. But don't like, every post should not be no. promoting you or your company. Exactly. Every post should not be you know your personal life. If you have a representative, you know, elements yeah. of that throughout, great. But sure. you know, you should lead with value, and so that should be educating, exactly. inspiring, yes. right? Sharing your expertise. And then the other stuff can, can be included as well. 100%. I too built my dining room table. I, I think you just inspired. You? I, you hey. think you just inspired my uh, <laughs> my next like ten post. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so we'll just start it. We'll start a niche. I love it. People yeah, who exactly. are creating yeah. their own dining yeah, room exactly. tables. Very good. Table like talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, and I, I, I do have one more question for you. Yeah, so far away. Podcast. I know you said you've been doing yes. a podcast since 2015. Uh. We've been doing ours for the last two years. Uh -huh. um, I do think that podcasts for B two B influencers is a huge, oh, yeah. huge space. Um, Anyone that's doing it interesting that you've seen, or mm. do you think that uh, is it more of an audio, or do you yeah. think there's an element of visual that can happen there? More and more podcasts are incorporating video. Definitely, but does say. it make sense for B two B? That would be my question. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Right, like um, a YouTube is the biggest uh, podcast destination yeah. in the world now, and so having a video component sure. is great. Um, and then B, uh, I think it's just it's you know more engaging and more personal. Yeah, I switched my podcast from audio only to incorporating video um, late in the game. I don't know when it was. 2018, let's say. It's easier to do now when everyone's used to do it on, on Zoom. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of a, a treat to be able to do it. For sure. Right? It's gotten diversified. And in-person is always better. Yeah. But um, you think, oh, making the switch, it'll be 10 times harder. Mm -hmm. It's harder. Maybe yeah. 2x or 4x, but it's not impossible. Totally. And so I think the value you get in exchange is, is strong. You asked um, who are the podcasters that I think yeah. are doing a good job. I'll tell you what I listen to. Um, I love our friend Chris Irwin, right? Yes. My partner in crime, co-host yep. for the event last night. He has an amazing podcast. Um, yeah, he's got a good one. Yes, we're from his team at Rockwater where they talk about, um, it's called, uh, um, why am I forgetting the name of it? Uh, uh, we'll cut this out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it's called The Come Up, right? The Come so, Up, that's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. so where it talks about entrepreneurial stories. And I love, yes. I just love the branding and, and thought behind it. The other podcast I listen to, All In, right? Great, sure. like, macro yeah. landscape overview. And then um, the My First Million podcast, like what Sean oh, and, and Sam yeah. do is, yeah. is just a lot of fun and like very yeah. conversational around sharing business ideas. Oh, totally. And those, yeah. see, those are the ones that I think will be really interesting for B2B 100%. marketers, right? Because yeah. it's like you could go the NPR route, you could go the Planet Money route, you can do all that sort of stuff. But yeah. is it, that just feels 
that's a check the box. That's a programmatic box, uh-huh. right? I think where you could have some really interesting conversations and do things like we could get, um, you know, you can get CEOs or CMOs or like, I'll talk about elevating employees, yeah. right? Thought leaderships, getting them on podcasts with these guys, I think yep. would be really interesting. Um, the conversational element of it is great. Yeah. And then I also love, like one of the things that we obviously push our, a lot of our clients towards is, hey, do the long form. Yeah, it's harder. It takes a little bit more setup. Do the long form because then it gives you all the short form. It gives you all the assets, all yeah. the cut downs. You can do audio clips. You can do video clips. You yep. can do everything. Um, we're going to do all that with this podcast, uh-huh. right? But it that's that's what you've got to do because mm. it is, I mean, it, it's hard to keep up with content, yeah. right? And people don't know what to post. But if you have this library of stuff, yeah. you can take clips and you can say, you know, you can do your LinkedIn post mm-hmm. and then you can, you know, add the video yep. component Repurpose, to it. Repurpose, mix Repur- and match, totally. Exactly. Yep. And to me, it's like that is, that's the interesting thing. And I think we've also seen the trend on the B2C side, which I think really is B2B. It's not just everything. It's yeah. a general podcast trend, but it's like short form is the advertisement for it. Uh-huh. And people are going crazy for it. But people also just consume a lot of clips and not like a, you know, hour and a half podcast True. because not everyone has. You know, how many how many hours a day do you have? Yeah. And you're not going to spend all of them listening to podcasts, yeah. right? So the, uh, the Tygo principle. Yes, um, yeah, exactly. I told this story about this uh, is a good one. A podcast that I listened to, Throwing Fits. Um, they uh, they effectively flew out to L.A. Uh, to shoot their uh, podcast with Tyga, and he allotted them fifteen minutes mm-hmm. because he was like, oh, because his understanding of podcasts was just as you know as short form clips that he uh, saw on reels. Yeah. He had no idea. <laughs> That's that amazing. Was, you know, fifteen minutes is all right, you need. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Precisely. He had you know he he had no concept of uh-huh. sort of you know of those being mined from a longer form conversation. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's telling, right? And yeah. I think yeah. probably a lot of people are doing it. And I mean, it's great to listen to just a quick clip and a uh-huh. quick thing here and there. Um, you know, TED Talk, obviously, that they were sort of the, the original inventors of that quick segment uh-huh. uh, in a lot of ways. So I, I see a lot of that going on for sure. Yeah. But um, cool. Well, hey, great conversation. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. This has um, been so much fun. Yeah, and I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh,